Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is episode 32 on the Merry Biz podcast with the one and only Darren Rouse. Welcome to Merry Biz. Get inspired to live your best life and learn what it takes to create an epic business from the world's most amazing entrepreneurs. We're your hosts, Emma and Carla Pappas. Let's get our merry biz on. Today's guest is one of the most generous people we have ever met. He started blogging back in 2002 and is now the world's leader in helping others learn how to monetize their blogs. It was the first website we ever read that taught us about all things blogging and techie, and his events literally changed our lives for the better. You would know him from ProBlogger or Digital Photography School, and we are so excited to welcome the one and only... Darren Rouse to Hashtag Merrybiz. Oh, so good to be here. Thanks for that amazing introduction. Oh, our pleasure. We um, can follow you around and do it to everybody if you like. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so, Darren, the first question we ask everyone is what has been on your agenda today? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I fly out. I, I have to wake up at 4.30 tomorrow morning and um, go and jump on three planes to get to San Diego. From Melbourne. So today has been um, logistics of packing and printing out schedules for my wife and trying to get a walk in. I've got to give a presentation while I'm there. So I, I just took an hour long walk and gave my presentation to no one, oh. just myself while I walked. And yeah, so it's kind of a logistical day. And I just re- realized I had to record a podcast as well of my own. So I very quickly recorded a 20-minute podcast, and now I'm talking to you, and it's 1.30 in the afternoon. Wow. That is an epic day. Yeah. And we were, because we were like, Darren's traveling, like, soon. Like, can he even do this interview? But we are very grateful that you're here today, because we know that you have so much amazing knowledge to share on blogging, and that's what we're going to focus on. But first, we would love you to tell all of our listeners your story and how it all began. It can be like the short form. Yeah, because you know like, it's like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you've heard me tell it before. <laughs> okay, so 2002, got an email from a friend saying, check out this blog, and it, that email changed my life. I clicked the link, wow. ended up on a blog, and was fascinated by the, the medium. As much as the blog itself, it was interesting too, but it was the medium. I was like, wow, I want to I have one of these things. And so I started a blog. It was a personal blog. I talked about anything and everything and just became very addicted very quickly and for some reason got an audience. I don't know whether it was because I was early-ish, although I felt like I was too late to blogging in 2002. Yeah. It had been going for a couple of years. But people started to read and then I was like, okay, I'll keep doing it. And then it started to cost me money. So I started to experiment with monetizing it and putting some ads on it and starting other blogs and mm-hmm. that were more niche focused. 
And really, that's that's the journey that led me to start ProBlogger in 2004, around the time that I'd, I almost got to a full-time level of, of making money from my blog. So it took me about two years to get to that point, started ProBlogger, and then digital photography school was kind of almost like what I learned through starting ProBlogger and interacting with others who were on that same journey. I put into action on digital photography school, and that's now my main blog. It's about 10 times bigger than ProBlogger and what I focus most of my time on. Yeah. Amazing. Seriously, I'm pretty sure I've heard that story like three times, but still I'm like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And do you know what I really picked up new this time was that you mentioned that in 2002, you thought you were late to blogging. And that was same with us. In 2012, we were like, we're too late to do this. So like, what would your message be to other bloggers who are starting now and they think they're too late? Yeah, look, it's a very different space today. It's it's much more crowded and there are Mm. more blogs on every topic. In fact, 2002, most of the blogs were just personal blogs. They weren't really niche focused. And so it's changed quite a bit. But those people are saying it's too crowded. I'll never break through. I'm like, you just have to look at what's going on with television. There's always new shows breaking through. There's new. And with blogs, people want new voices. They're sick of us oldies who've always been talking. (laughs) They want someone new to listen to and someone who's going to just approach the topic with a bit of a fresh vibe and voice. So there's always ways to break through as long as you're doing something that's adding value, being useful and being meaningful for people. Oh, I love that so much. Oh, and you know, something that really has stood out, I think from every talk we've heard you do or your podcast is you talk about, you know, this long-term strategy versus short-term gain when it comes to, you know, blogging. So could you go into a little bit about that and what you actually mean by that? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure which one you mean, but for me, I guess it's been about trying to know what your overall goals are. And I'm, I don't know, I've got some general overall goals. I don't have very specific ones. I don't have, it has to be a book in the next three years. It's yeah. my, my goals are more about trying to make the world a better place and do yes. something that's meaningful for me and meaningful for others. And yeah, following my energy, like what what energizes me and that kind of stuff, and that's that's mm-hmm. kind of a bit more vague in some ways. But I, and I have some values, and my values don't change, and so I'm trying to operate within those overall goals and values to to do something big, but also really trying to pay attention to what's happening right here, right now, because what I do today is taking me towards those longer term goals. It's the little. Mm-hmm little things that we do every day, the little fist pump moments that mm-hmm. take us to those moments where we put our hands above our heads and go, I, I just achieved my, my dream. Yeah. So yeah, it's about trying to be big, big picture, long-term focus, but also just saying, well, what do I need to do right now in this next 10 minutes that's going to take me a step closer to that dream? Oh, I love that so much. And what stood out for me what when you just said that you talked like about, you know, making the world a better place. And I think the way you do that is so much through your generosity. I mean, we've been personally touched by your generosity. And I know that everyone who attends your events, everyone who reads your blog just thinks the same about you. So how important do you think it is to be generous with your content? Yeah, totally. I think really it's, I don't have a business without it. I don't have Mm -hmm. anything to sell unless I've already given everything away. It sounds a bit weird that you give everything away for free, but people still pay you for other stuff. But there's always that's that's really the basis of what I do. So, yeah, being as generous as possible, surprising and delighting as many people as you can, I think 
it comes back many times over. So one of my favorite things to do is just jump on a live streaming app and just answer as many questions as I can. And I've sat on live streaming for three or four hours in a row answering questions wow. because I know that that just comes. Can I sit the same people leaving comments for the first time on my blog? I see them buying my eBooks. I see them turning up at my events because I spent 10 minutes answering a question. I was talking to Pat Flynn the other day and he told me the story that on a live stream that I did back in, I don't know, it must have been 2007 or 2006, wow. I answered his question and that started his journey. <laughs> and he was like, Darren Rouse paid a- wow. attention to me. And I'm like, if only I'd taken 10% of everything. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's, you've just got it. You never quite know what those little tiny things are going to mean for other people. And then you get an amazing introduction on a podcast like you just gave me because I was generous one, one time with you. And talking about live streaming, I'd love to hear your point of view of like all the, you know, new new social media platforms like Periscope, Snapchat, you know, that live form. Facebook Live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, I think on one hand, I'm very excited about it because I think when you have those personal interactions with people, it really makes people look twice. And I think I'm, this is one of the things I'm going to talk about in San Diego is that it's one thing to get people's eyeball. Like it's relatively easy to get people to look at your blog for the first time. You just have to write something controversial or something funny or something mm-hmm. like produce an infographic or something like that that people will share. But it's getting people to look at some time or that second look type thing that is tough. And I think when you use a personal medium, that's one of the ways you can make people really look twice because so many people it's just, it's an infographic or it's just a piece of text. But when you are there answering their question, that breaks through and that makes people stop Mm -hmm. and stop clicking the links that we click all day on Twitter and listen and you have their attention and you, you have the opportunity to take them from being, giving you their attention to being interested. And that's a really important step towards getting a connection with them and building that relationship. So I think there's an incredible opportunity there but there's also a real temptation to either spend your whole life on live streaming. <laughs> and I know some people are, are doing that. And I see on, on Periscope, you know, people are just Periscope after Periscope after Periscope. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, there's value there, but what else? What's the next step that you're leading them towards? What are you going to create yeah. that's permanent as well? Periscope particularly, it's so impermanent. It disappears so quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm excited with Facebook Live that it just sits there forever and that can keep bringing life. And I guess the other challenge is which one <laughs> because you can, you can spend your life doing them all. Yeah. And I see some people doing three or four live streams on different platforms all at once and part of me wonders who you're giving the attention to. Yeah, I'm just not sure where it's going to land. I th- my suspicion is Facebook Live is killing Periscope and Snapchat uh-huh. seems to be reaching the younger crowd and that, seem- that crowd seems to be growing in terms of its age as well. I'm seeing more of my friends now on Snapchat, which is kind of weird to me because I still don't understand it. I know. I did it. I did it for a week. And then I was just like, uh, it's taking me away from other core stuff that I know yeah. works now. And so there's that tension always of how much time do you spend experimenting and how much time yeah. do you just keep doing what's working? So I'm probably 10% experimental, 90% do what's working. But I'm, I'm in a different stage to other people because I've already got something that's working. Oh, yeah. If you're just starting out, I think experiment, experiment like crazy and see see where it grows. 
Totally. I think I remember when per- like Periscope became like really on trend that we all did no work for like a week. We're just still yeah. watching everyone's Periscope. <laughs> so that wasn't a very good thing. No. So let's talk more about blogging and in particular your blogging process because we would love to know about how you know you go from an idea mm-hmm. to actually publishing it wherever you publish it. Like what are the steps you take? Yeah, it's never quite the same <laughs> anytime. Sometimes it takes days and I follow the process and some days I get an idea, I just write it and send it to Stacey and say, can you give it a quick proofread and push it live now? <laughs> sort of thing. So it's, sometimes oh, yeah. it, it really depends on how much energy I've got and yeah, and what kind of content it is too. I think ideally for me, what I would suggest is that people separate out content and finishing the content because I think we use different parts of our brain, some scientists, to dream and come up with like to create and to to polish things off. I, I just got this feeling that there's different things going on in our brain. So I, I get into a muddle when I'm trying to do all three in the one sitting. So I, I have time each week where I'm brainstorming and I'm trying to work out, you know, what could I write about? And I'm looking at mm-hmm. survey results of questions that I'm being asked and, and then sort of mapping out, you know, this way I'm going to create these four pieces of content. And then at a separate time, I create the content. And this is so for me, mornings, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, usually are my days where I'm creating and I'm trying to record podcasts and write blog posts. And then... Uh-huh separate time for finishing and that's where I'm trying to look at what I've written with a critical eye and and edit proofread add stories or add examples and find images and and make it look good and some of that process now I've outsourced to to Stacy who edits pro blogger mm. and Darlene who edits digital photography school so that's kind of the the process and it seems to work well for me to, at least to separate those three things out rather than just sit down and go, what am I going to write about today and then publish it two hours later? Yeah, totally. I love that. So we've seen your amazing, is it diagram or spreadsheet or pretty picture of all the ways you can make income yeah. while you blog. Yep. So we'd love you to talk us through that because we know a lot of our listeners in particular only think that you can make money through advertising and sponsorship. Yes. So I think you're talking about the money map that I created. It's getting a bit dated now, but I need to really update that one. But it's really was just me sitting down with a mind mapping tool one day and coming up with it. I'll send you a link later for it if you want to use it in the show notes. But advertising certainly is one way and that's probably... Actually, it's it's now the second most common way that my readers monetize their blogs. It's changed. When I started out, advertising, sponsorships, there's a whole heap of different type of advertising, I guess we could talk about as well. But, you know, sponsored posts, being an ambassador for a brand, Mm -hmm. putting ads through AdSense or an ad network is is certainly one cluster of monetization. The most common way we in our most recent survey was affiliate marketing. Wow. Yeah, it's really changed. And so it's kind of like advertising because you're promoting products, but you're getting a commission instead of just earning, you know, set fee. And I think I see why advertisers have moved more to that because they're only paying you if there's a conversion. And so it's safe for advertiser. And there's also a bit more motivation for you as the blogger to, to, you know, promote the product and to ensure that there's a sale there as well. And so Mm -hmm. within affiliate marketing, there's a few different types. You can join an affiliate network and promote, you know, something, you know, like a fashion store. Vanessa, my wife, does, you know, fashion type affiliate marketing and they're all through networks. And then there's 
ebooks or courses and that type of thing. And that's where you, you're probably earning a larger commission. You might earn as much as 50% on an ebook sale. Mm. And that's, yeah, the second time. Then there's continuity programs. So membership sites would be another big one. And I think that's been a growing trend. Yeah. You've been exploring that one yourself. And we've certainly explored it and we'll be doing more on that front. Then there's your virtual products, so information products. And this is traditionally what I've done over the last six or so years. It's been my number one source of income mm-hmm. through selling eBooks or courses, training people, I guess, in your online ways. But then there's also real life training as well. And we, we also explore that with our event. And then probably the other big cluster that I see is people selling themselves in some way as a freelance writer or a coach or a trainer or a speaker, that type of thing. So, yeah, yeah, there's a whole heap of different things there. And and the other thing I'd say is most people who get to a full-time level have a a spectrum, like have a few different ones, and I suspect you guys do as well. I Mm -hmm. I probably have about 10 different types of income streams that come in and they go up from month to month. They they kind of flip flop around. Some of them are big one month and then nothing the next month. So diversity, diversifying your income is certainly one way to speed up the process. Yeah, totally. Oh, that was so good. I know our listeners are going to be like mind blown and be like, oh my gosh, I don't need to just focus on one thing. Like yeah. there's so many ways you can make money online and that's really exciting. And I think now I also read something today when I was doing a little bit of Googling on you, you were talking about how like you know, we need to kind of start looking at our blogs as businesses. And I really, really loved that. So like, how can you go about by changing your mindset from thinking you're just a blogger to actually know I'm a business? Yeah. So I think, I mean, that my one of my mantras that I was going to give you at the end of this podcast, I've got three. So <laughs> okay. I'll use one now. I'm going to use one now. Excellent. Uh, if you want it to be a business, treat it as a business today. And for me, that the whole thing was one day this is going to be a full-time thing. And I kept saying one day, mm-hmm. but wasn't really living in a way that was going to take me closer to that. Mm-hmm. And it kind of almost got forced upon me when Vanessa one day said, you know, it's got to be today. Like, let's speed this process up. And so I gave myself a six-month deadline to get full-time, and I was around two days a week at that time, so things needed to kind of really shift gears. And that that was the day I can almost, to the day I can track it, that's when I started to really strategize a bit more on getting more readers, finding new income streams. I started to ring advertisers and say, would you advertise on my blog rather than just rely on Google AdSense to find the advertisers for me? And so I started to force myself to treat it as a business, even though it wasn't really a full-time thing at that stage. And it really, best thing I ever did. It took three months after that. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it really escalated quick. Yeah. And I, I guess that's the, the encouragement I, I make with people is don't just treat it as a business when it becomes one. Yeah. Position yourself to, to, to go there. And so part of that's goal setting Part of that's being more strategic. Mm-hmm. Part of that's trying to understand who your reader is mm. and what they need and then break that process down and that then should inform your content strategy as well. I love that so much. So so many good lessons there. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about readers and like how would you suggest how we know what we should write about and what the reader needs to know? Yeah, so partly, I mean, for me it was... Both of my blogs kind of, well, my pro blogger really came out of my own needs. Yeah. So I, w- I started writing for me um, and what I talked about what I was learning and what I had problems with and that. So that informed a lot of my writing and it turned out a lot of my readers were in the same boat. But 
digital photography school is a bit different because I was writing for people behind me on the journey. So I was trying to guess who my readers were. So I created reader profiles or little avatars mm. and they were just my best guess as who might be reading my blog. And I found that really helpful just to have someone in my mind as I was writing and to imagine the, the questions that they'd be asking. Once I got readers, though, I was surveying them. And for me, we do an annual kind of survey on both my blogs. I call it the census, <laughs> ProBlogger census. And <laughs> we we just ask our readers things like, you know, hey, how are you monetizing your blog? How experienced are you? Are you male or female? Where are you in the world? And so we gather this demographical data, but we also try and ask questions that surface their pain and their problems and their challenges. And that's really important to pay attention to. And that surface their dreams and the achievements and the gains they're trying to make. So you you want to be a pain reliever and a gain creator. I got that from Ed Dale at a conference recently. So oh gosh, I love that. Yeah. But pain relief and gain creation. So Find out as much as you can about pain and, and the dreams and then start creating content that takes people towards those dreams and starts relieving those pains. And that's that's really 90% of the content that we publish on both of my blogs. I'm not sure what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> that's good then. I feel like when you don't know what the question is, you're like, okay, I just went on and rambled and talked my from the we, heart. We're totally fine with Darren Rouse rambling on our podcast. Like, we love cool. that <laughs> so, oh, That's so what I do mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so do we. So we want to talk about repurposing content. And because sure. we know that you have a product, 30 Days to a Better Blog, and it's really, really awesome. And we'll put a link to that in our show notes too. But the idea of this product was that it had kind of already been content already published, right? And then you packaged it together. Sure. So... Yeah, 31 Days to Build a Better Blog was just a series of posts I did on the blog in 2005, I think, the first time, and it worked. It really sparked with my readers, Mm. and it led to big traffic and lots of questions, lots of engagement, and so I did it again in 2007. Again, the same thing happened, did it in 2009, same thing happened, and then my readers started saying, we want this so we can do it again and again, so can you put it in a PDF or pay you for it? I think three or four readers kind of came up with that same idea. So I paid attention to that. I was a bit skeptical that anyone would buy the thing, Uh but decided to do it. So it was largely the blog posts with a little bit of extra stuff, put it into a PDF. I think we sold it for $15 at launch. And it sold thousands uh, wow. within, uh, you know, a week. And I was like, wow, what? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> and so I was like, okay, they got it for free on the blog, but they wanted to keep it and they wanted it as a, in a logical order mm-hmm. and they wanted so they could use it again and again. And I was like, okay, so this is was one of the first times I repurposed content. I did the same thing with the first ebook I did on the photography side as well. Mm-hmm. And it did the, the same kind of thing. It was just a collection of blog posts that all were on the same theme that I updated and added a little bit more content. And so, yeah, repurposing content for a product can really work. But I think you can also repurpose content to get extra eyeballs as well. Yeah. Yep. So I can think of, you know, one post I did on ProBlogger called, Can You Really Make Money Blogging? Mm-hmm. Seven Things I Know. And it got shared a lot and I I paid attention to that and I was like, okay, how else could I use these seven things that I know? And so I put it into a webinar 
Then I put it into a talk that I gave in Sydney at a conference and then I put the slides of that talk up on SlideShare and that got to the front page of SlideShare and got 5,000 views and then I put the slides on YouTube with a bit of music behind them and that got 6,000 views. Wow. Then I did a podcast of the same, exactly the same stuff and it's been downloaded 20,000 times now and most of that's from people searching in iTunes. So. It's amazing, you know, something's being shared on your blog. Ask yourself, how can I put this into another search engine like YouTube or iTunes or somewhere else that people are gathering and looking for information? And you might just find that you get some good attention. Now, all of those pieces of content link back to the first blog. So now it's getting a lot more attention too. So, yeah, it's great. Repurpose. So awesome. And so it's all about like watching, you know, what is getting traction and then putting energy there and repurposing that. Like, I just think that's amazing. I love that strategy so much. (laughs) Well, every every blogger's probably got a post that's doing well in their archives that's getting a lot of search engine traffic and that every time you share it, it gets retweeted like crazy. So why have to reinvent the wheel? Why not just take that and put it into a different form, update it, you know? I love that so much and I'm so excited. Oh, so... I have a question about, you know, when your numbers plateau. So numbers like might grow to 100,000 visits every month, but then they just stay there for like six months. Like what would you suggest for people like that? Mm. In some ways, I think it's kind of natural and it's Mm. just something that you, I'm not saying give up on finding new readers, but Mm -hmm. you may, it just may be a plateau. It may be just where things are going to sit for a while. So Mm -hmm. ProBlogger certainly hit that mark and it's, to this point, it's still sort of plateaus because we have new readers come in, but then other people give up blogging mm. or other people get on their own feet and don't need to check in every day. They check in once a month yeah. instead. And so part of me makes peace with the fact that it's okay that yeah. that's happening. Having said that, I think some bloggers do fall into the trap of, well, it's not really a trap, but they pay so much attention to the readers they have, they forget to start creating, they forget to create shareable content. And other bloggers get so obsessed by shareable content, they ignore the readers they've got. So you've got to kind of balance out the type of content you're producing. And so if yeah. you've plateaued, maybe you need to start thinking, okay, what what's being shared on my site? How can I create more of that type of stuff? But you don't want to just solely produce that. So for us on Digital Photography School, we try and produce one or two posts a week that are a bit more virally uh-huh. shareable. They might be a bit lighter, uh, an infographic or a cheat sheet. And then 10 of our 14 posts are more looking after our current readers. And then another two are more community-based posts. So a challenge or a discussion or a letting our readers show off a little bit in some way. So we're trying to get a balance of different types of content but the shareable content might be one to focus your attention on a little bit more if you've plateaued yeah that was gold darren like seriously (laughs) it's so so good (laughs) especially for us we just need to keep creating more salted caramel slices yeah yes my friend my friend brought that for a dinner party the other night i'm like this looks familiar and they're like oh it's a merrymaker yeah have you heard of them and i'm like (laughs) yeah of course i have yeah, Gosh. I think she's become a member of your site or something too. So. Oh, that's awesome. That is so cool. Thanks, friend. That's so cool. All right. So, Darren, we want to know how you stay on top of trends because, you know, one of the websites we're always looking at is ProBlogger, but how do you get the info before everybody else? I feel like I'm, I discover things so late <laughs> so often, like I'm still not on Snapchat properly and I'm, it's hard to stay on trend. But I think for me, 
the lesson I've learned is is that if two or three other people that I respect have recommended the same thing, that's mm. when I tend to give it a bit of a look. Okay. Um, I let other people be the super early adopters yeah. and then pay attention to them once they've kind of got some runs on the board. I think the the temptation is just to run to every new thing that comes out and sink yourself completely into it at the expense of other things. So, yeah, you really, yeah, I'm not really a big believer in every ad- adopting everything right away. I love, I love that. that so, so much. Such good advice. Yeah, really, really good advice. And, Darren, we want to thank you because, you know, we we are close to wrapping up and we don't want to take up too much time because you probably have to pack or finish packing or something oh, like okay. that. but we've had the best time talking with you today and I know that our listeners have gotten so much out of it just like we have so before we get to our last question we'd love you to just give yourself a plug of whatever you want to share with our audience oh gosh if you just go to problogger.com you'll find all the problogger things the podcast the blog the job board we have a job board there for bloggers who are looking for work writing work and for people to find bloggers and connect with them there. So problogger.com will get you all of that, including the eBooks and and information about our event if you want to come to Queensland, Australia mm-hmm. later in the year in September. So we've had an increasing number of people come from overseas the last few years. So if you're listening from out of, out of Australia, you're more than welcome to join us too. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, we can firsthand say that it's one of the best events we've ever gone to. That was like the catalyst for us, you know, becoming full-time bloggers. So we recommend it to everybody. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, and also I'm loving the new website design too. Oh, cool. Yeah, we've still got a few little bugs to, to iron out and we're going to roll it out across the rest of the kind of pro blogger brand. But it's it's been amazing. I've never done a relaunch of a design without someone complaining and saying they love the old one. But no one liked the old one, it turns out. So no one said anything bad about it. Wow. Yeah, changing it. So we're pretty happy. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, because it's really good, like the navigation and all that. And I think that's like always number one when I go to, I'm like, what am I clicking on? So I loved it. <laughs> Great. Excellent. So Darren, the last question is, what is the one or two mantras you're living by right at this moment? Okay. So you, I've kind of covered all three things that I had prepared. One was if you want it to be a business treated as one. Yeah. One was what are your goals and what small things can I do to take me closer to those goals? So, you know, even if you've got five spare minutes, you could take a step closer to your goals. So that. ask that question all day. And the last one is just a little almost a meditation that I do at the end of every day. And I just ask myself what gave me energy today and what gave other people around me energy that was result was the result of something that I did. So just pay attention to what's keeping you awake at night and what, what's energizing you and then what you do that energizes other people. Because when you find the the collision of those two things, things that give you energy and things that give other people energy, then you're doing something meaningful to you and them. And that's a good thing. And and there's often a transactional kind of opportunity around that to make it sustainable. Oh, Darren. You're yeah. amazing, Darren. You're the best. And we're so <laughs> pumped that we got to spend this half an hour with and you. And we're so grateful for your time. And we just can't wait to share this with everyone. Oh, it's great to chat with you both as well. And I look forward to seeing you again sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah, well, I hope I'm like Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo for that interview. Yeah, it was all kinds of epic. Thank you again 
to Darren for taking the time to speak to us on Mary Biz. Now, if you guys have someone that you'd love us to interview, be sure to let us know on Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook or even send us an email because we will ask them to come on the show. Yay! And remember, there are 31 other episodes on this podcast. So have a scroll through all the different episodes and take a listen to some of the older ones because there's some serious gold in there. Yeah, you will not regret it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.